I'd like to welcome, welcome everyone this morning to all of our guests. We are so glad to have you today. If this is your first or your second time, we invite you to stop by our welcome area in the back of the sanctuary. I'd like to give you a small token of appreciation for being with us today. If you're watching us online, wherever you may be joining us from, we welcome you as a part of this service today and pray that you are blessed by it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. And, uh, again, I know most of you obviously know my wife and I have been gone the last week and a half or so celebrating our 25th anniversary and we had a great time we flew into san francisco california and uh, worked our way down to san diego and uh, was wonderful very beautiful area especially along the coast out there and thankful for god's blessings and i gotta tell you i'd love to just really rare back and just have fun and preach today but I don't know if it'll quite go that way. When you haven't preached in a couple weeks, you like to just get with it. But I'm going to do my best to just do what I feel like the Lord has given me. And trust that it will be a blessing to somebody today. Ecclesiastes 12. I'm going to read to you a couple of verses from the very end of Ecclesiastes. And then I'm going to do something I don't do very often, and that's... We're going to read the first chapter and a half or so of the book of Ecclesiastes, but we'll just start here. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, verse number 8 says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. You feel better now? Such encouraging and uplifting words. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity, says the preacher. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright in the words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and nails fast, fastened, by the, fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these my son be admonished and of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Isn't that middle statement there so true? Of making many books, there is no end. There's always a new book. But there's nothing like the good old book. Verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Verse number 8 says it this way in the easy to read version. Everything is so meaningless. The teacher says that it is all a waste of time. And the God's Word translation says it this way. Absolutely pointless, says the spokesman. Everything is pointless. Such encouraging and uplifting words for this fine Sunday morning. It's good to have our College Park ministry here this morning. I'm sure they're not here for good reasons, probably a complication, but still good to have them here today. I guess if nothing else, just to help the media department out this morning, my title is A Lesson from the Preacher. A lesson from the preacher. Father, thank you for your presence that we have felt in this place today. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you for what you've already done this morning. Thank you for the ministry that's already taken place today. I pray now that through your word, your spirit would continue to minister in this place today, Lord. That you would speak to somebody's heart. 
God, again today, I pray that this would not simply be a sermon, but that you would allow me to be a messenger to deliver a word from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There are three books of the Bible that Solomon is noted for, and uh, like the Psalms, if you didn't know this, not all Psalms were written by David. There were others that wrote some of the Psalms. So it is with the Proverbs. Solomon is usually identified as the writer of Proverbs, the one that God used. However, Solomon did not write all of Proverbs, a good portion of it, but not all of it. But it is my understanding that the book of Ecclesiastes is all Solomon and the Song of Solomon as well. It also is my understanding that chronologically the book of Proverbs did precede the book of Ecclesiastes, and I find that to be rather interesting. And so again, I don't normally read a whole lot of verses, but I I, I want you to get a little bit of the gist of what Solomon is saying. He said in verse number 13 uh, that we read a few moments ago, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. After everything that's been said for 12 chapters, let's summarize the whole matter. He says the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. I, I got to tell you, and you may think this is an oversimplification, but if the entire world simply followed this verse, every problem would go away. I, I hope your silence is not an indication of a lack of faith. Fear God and keep His commandments. And so let's just, let's, let's read a little bit of what it was Solomon had to say. In Ecclesiastes, you can follow along on the screen, or if you've got a Bible, or whether it's, uh, printed or electronic, you want to follow along there as well. Ecclesiastes 1, starting with verse number 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And the word, we, we often use the word vain now with looks and in that context. But the word vanity here basically just means emptiness, pointlessness. And so he's saying that Everything is, is, is empty. Everything is, is pointless. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth and the sun goeth down and hasteneth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full unto the place from whence the rivers come. Thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eyes, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new, it hath been already of old time which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done. Where? I gave myself to search out all things that were done under heaven. To just kind of make a mental note of that. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. Now, now in case some of you don't really know anything about Solomon, let me just insert here. 
This guy, he was the Bill Gates of his day. He was the wealthy of the wealthy. This isn't somebody that was just had scraped to get by in life. So you need to understand that this is not some miserable wretch here. This guy had, he had such riches that queens came to see about what he had because it was so notable. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun and behold it all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I commune with my own heart. He searched to find out the wisdom under the sun and then he communed with his own heart. Saying, lo, I am come to great estate. I have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth, increaseth sorrow. Chapter 2. I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with myrrh. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of myrrh, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and lo, and to lay hold on folly, till I, till I might see what was the what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life i made me great works i built me houses i planted me vineyards solomon's temple is still to this day considered to be one of the greatest buildings ever built I made me gardens and orchards and I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musicians instruments, as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. There's no one here that can say that today. I'm talking about something that's wrong, something that's sinful. There's not a one of us that could say today, if my eye see it and I want it, I'm getting it. Because there are some things, if you'll be honest, you've seen that you can't afford. But Solomon says, whatever I saw, if I wanted it, I got it. We, we, we went, I'll try not to give you too much at one time. I'll just give you bits and pieces here and there. <laughs> we were on road day. How come everywhere else in the world, R-O-D-E-O is a rodeo? But in L.A., it's rodeo. There's a, there's a, there's a shop. On Rodeo Drive, you have to pay $1,500 deposit to go in the store. You have to pay $1,500 to go in the store. And if you buy nothing, you do not get your deposit back. Angie read yesterday of 100000 the average person that goes in there spends 100 thousand dollars in a trip in a single shopping trip 
I, I, I've, I've been to Nordstrom Rack and I've seen some suits on the rack at Nordstrom Rack, which is the reduced price of the name brand, that I saw it, I liked it, but I didn't get me it. Whatever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from my, any joy from my heart. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on this labor that I had vexed, that, and this labor had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Five more verses. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already done? Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me, and why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that, all, that this also is vanity, for there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten, and how dieth the wise man as the fool? How does the rich man die? Same way the fool does, he stops breathing. That's it. Isn't it amazing? Doesn't matter if you were a beggar on the street or the wealthiest person, they put you six feet under. The depth is not determined upon your wealth. The only thing that may be varied based on your wealth is the box they put you in. Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. What an uplifting, encouraging reading we have had this morning. Vanity and vexation. All, all. And again, this guy had it. He had it. He had it all. And if he didn't have it and he saw it, he got it. He says, I was, I was as wealthy as anyone around. In fact, I had more than anyone around. But he says it was, it was all empty. It was all vexation of spirit. He, he, I, we may have read it and I just brushed over it. But if we didn't in another place, he says, you know what? I mean, the, he, 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 this is a paraphrase, but... You know, this is kind of a bummer. I, 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 uh, everything I've accumulated, I'm going to leave it to somebody else. They're going to get to take advantage of it and didn't even work for it. The, the interesting thing is, again, my understanding, the book of Proverbs chronologically was written before Ecclesiastes and again, Solomon was used to write much of the book of Proverbs. Cliff's Notes, not Cliff Notes, Cliff's Notes says this. The book of Proverbs is exactly what the name implies, a collection of short sayings gathered from different places and produced over long periods of time. In general, these sayings represent wisdom derived from practical Experience And this, this next part really caught my attention. Although they contain no profound contributions to theological ideas. Great practical experience, but not necessarily a great, not necessarily a contribution to theological ideas. They constitute wholesome advice about the way a person should live in order to attain a happy and satisfactory life. And so when you read through the Proverbs, you will find Solomon's writings in Proverbs have a little bit more of a positive take on them. 
They're a little bit more uplifting. They're a little bit more encouraging. He, he gives instructions about life, but he also says, if you will do these things, then this is the good you can expect. If, if you will behave this way, this is what will come. And so it, it, it was a much more positive attitude. I, I don't find anywhere in the Proverbs, in Solomon's writings in Proverbs, where he says anything about it's all vanity. It's all emptiness, vexation of spirit. You will find throughout the book of Ecclesiastes numerous times where these words are repeated. Vanity, vexation, vanity, all. is. It's not just a one-time thing where, you know, you ever said something one time, you're kind of like, where'd that come from? And that was it. But then there's other things you repeat. He, he didn't just say in chapter 1, verse 2, All is vanity and that was it. All is emptiness. He repeats it over and over throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. But that was not the same guy that was writing in Proverbs. Great wisdom. Great wealth. But he says it's all emptiness. It's all vexation. It's all vanity. He says, the eye, verse 8, man cannot, all things are full of labor, man cannot use, utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. There is a desire in us that whatever we have is never enough. So, Solomon sees and he gets, he sees something and it piques his interest and he gets it. But he says it's all emptiness. It's all vanity. In First Chronicles chapter 28, prior to the death of Solomon's father, David, king at the time of Israel, David gives Solomon some advice. I, I want you to remember again a couple of the things. Verse, verse 13, he said, I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things where? Under heaven. He gave his self. He pursued. He said, this sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised. And verse 16, he says, I communed with my heart. Verse 17, I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. Let me tell you something. There's some things out there I don't need to give myself to know. There's some things out there I will take your word for. Because some of you have tried them. Some of you have been there. Some of you have had the experience. I've been, I, I've been blessed to be born and raised in church. And i got plenty of faults. And I've committed my share, my share of sins. But there's also some things I've been blessed to be kept from. God's grace that saves you out of is no greater than God's grace that keeps you from. There are those here today with a testimony of deliverance from drugs and alcohol and a life of promiscuity. But then there's those of us today that our testimony is God kept us from it. Your deliverance from it is no greater than my deliverance from being kept from it. Jet lag. Totally forgot what all that had to do with where I was. Hmm. Ah, I do know. I I, I don't need to learn everything. I don't. He he said I I gave my heart to know wisdom, but also to know madness and folly. I, I I didn't look it up. I'll be honest. I didn't look it up, but I got a feeling that word "know" there probably is not just head knowledge. I got a, I, I, I got a feeling there that word no is probably the experiential no. And so look at what he gave himself. He gave himself to learn about what was under the sun. He communed with his own heart. Let me tell you something. You need to stop talking to yourself all the time. 
Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Your heart, my heart, that's what the scripture says. And so David, in his parting words to his son, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 8, I want you to, I want you to see what David says to Solomon. Now, therefore, in the spirit of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. Now, verse 9, David gives Solomon instructions on what the rest of his life should be about. And thou, Solomon, my son... Number one, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If you will seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Notice what David's instructions were to Solomon. Solomon, the first thing you need to know, you don't need to know madness and folly. You don't need to know about everything that's under the sun. The first thing you need to know, Solomon, is the God of your father. You need to know the God of your father. You don't need to know about my God, David was saying. You, you don't need to know about the God that I serve, but you yourself need to know the God of your Father. Number two, you need to serve Him with a perfect heart. And number three, you need to seek Him. You need to know Him yourself. You want to experience something, Solomon? Experience God. You want to become acquainted with something? Get acquainted with God. You want to seek out something, Solomon? Seek God. Because if you will seek Him, you will be found by Him. I think this may be tweetable. I don't have Twitter, so somebody will have to do it for me. Maybe postable. Religion is transferable. Religion is transferable. Relationship must be individually developed. Religion can be passed on. Religion can be passed on. But relationship has got to be developed individually. To our guests that don't really know much about us, about me, I have sitting on the back row to my left my grandmother who is in her 50 and better years. As a early teen, I believe it was, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. My grandfather, who has passed away, was an apostolic. My other two grandparents, my grandmother here today is my mother's mother. My grandparents, my dad's parents, who are both passed away, were apostolics. I have great-grandparents that were apostolics my parents, both apostolics, founders of this church. I am an apostolic. I have grandparents that were preachers. All four of my, excuse me, I have great grandparents that were preachers. All four of my grandparents were preachers. Both of my parents are preachers. I now have four kids that as of this point, they are apostolics. You see, it starts by being transferred. It basically starts by being transferred. This is, this is, since I was born, this is all I knew. 
If you're a guest today, and this is your first time in an apostolic service, you've probably seen things today that were abnormal from what you were used to in church. And we were actually pretty calm today. There's nothing that's happened today, none of that other stuff that would have happened that I would even thought twice about, because it's all I've known. But if all that you have is what's been transferred, at best, at best, at best, you will maintain obligation to a religion. And so you will show up for a church service. You may even come regularly to a church service. You may even come regularly to a few church services. But if all you have is religion that you have received, it is vanity. It is empty. And it is vexation. At some point, you've got to do what David told Solomon to do. Solomon, it's not good enough that Jehovah was my God. It's not good enough that I knew him. Solomon, you have got to know him. You've got to seek for him. You've got to serve him. But Solomon says, I set out to learn about everything under the sun. Under the heaven. I don't know how. I don't know why. But he missed the most important words of his life. He missed the most important instruction. I preach to young people today that will make very poor decisions in life because you will neglect the great advice parents will give you. Advice that cost them dearly. Advice that they paid a price to give you. David said, Solomon, my son. I, 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 I just sort of imagine this. I, I, I picture this as, 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 a, as a very intimate moment. I, I, I kind of can picture David sitting there with, with this sense of, 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 of soberness. Maybe, maybe, maybe even, maybe even just kind of reaching over and putting a hand on Solomon's shoulder. Saying, Solomon, no God. Whatever else you do, Solomon. Whatever else that happens, know God. Serve Him. Seek Him. Because if you will seek Him, you will find Him. And if you find Him, it won't all be vanity and vexation. Because if you find Him, you will find the one. I, I don't understand this because Solomon says in the Song of Solomon, it was a poetic writing, but it was symbolic of God. He says he's altogether lovely. Altogether lovely. Apparently he got a glimpse of God. But also, he obviously never got to really know God. Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. See, this is, so Solomon says, I, I, I searched for wisdom concerning everything done under heaven. I communed with my own heart. I gave my heart to know wisdom, to know madness and folly. Listen. Listen to what his father said. Psalms 27 and verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Here it is. Here it is. One thing. One thing. Solomon set out for one thing. To learn about everything under the sun. But David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing. I don't need all the wisdom of everything under the sun. I don't need to purchase every new thing I see. I don't need to keep accumulating possession after possession. One thing, if I can just dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. If you read, if you've got a Bible, if you've got a printed Bible, most, most electronic Bibles don't really do this, but if you've got a printed Bible that you've got it open to, you will see that most Psalms will say who the Psalm is written by. Psalm 27 was by David. This next Psalm is not, it doesn't say it there that it's written by David, but, but it is ascribed, it is assumed to be David because it sounds so much like David. Psalm 42 and verse 1. As the heart, that's not H-E-A-R-T, that's H-A-R-T, it's a type of deer. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul. Not just wisdom and knowledge, not just more understanding. I'm not just hungry and desiring for more things. But I thirst for you. My soul thirsts for the living God. Psalm 63 and verse 1 also. A prayer, a cry of David. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. Oh God, thou art My God, you see, the problem is I don't find anywhere in Proverbs and Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes where David's God became Solomon's God. While Solomon learned about a whole lot of things under heaven, he never learned about the God of heaven. And that's why at the end of the day, it was all vanity and all vexation of spirit. Because if everything you get, there's something else to be gotten. I, I just said it. The sun, I think it was the Sunday night I preached before I left. I love born and raised in Maryland, born here. My parents, I, I got asked this the other day, actually on this trip, where was I from? The implication was because of an accent, which used to kind of bother me, but now I just kind of embrace my roots. I'm born and raised here. My parents from the south. My mother raised in Mississippi. I love Maryland. I love Annapolis. I love it more today than I ever have before. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I got to tell you, the coast of California is absolutely beautiful. It is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I've been saving up for this trip for a little while, so for the first couple of days, I splurged a little bit. Got a convertible. 
just so happened to be a Camaro. Riding down Route 1 with the top down. Man. And, 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 and from a natural standpoint, from a natural standpoint, I, I, I'm like, you know what, man, why, why not live out here? Of course, I love snow, and you're not going to get that out there. But, but you know what, I've been other places where I felt the same way. There's something about, there's just to me, something about water, about the water. But man, I've never been to Denver. Look out at the Rockies. There's just something peaceful about that. Why not live here? Because it's all vanity. If that's your only purpose, it's all vanity. It, it's, I know some of you aren't bothered or interested by some of these kinds of things, and, and that's fine. You've got what you're interested in that I'm not interested in. But I, you know what? You, you, you ride around here, and, and you see a Mercedes, you see a Jaguar, you see a Range Rover. Every now and then you see a Maserati, maybe a Bentley. and Every once in a blue moon you see a Rolls Royce. You know it's really crazy when you look at Mercedes and Beamers and go, that poor fellow's driving a Mercedes. I mean, brand new Mercedes. That poor guy's in a B. That poor guy's driving a Porsche. We, we, we're on Rodeo Drive. White, black roof, convertible Rolls Royce. The, the, the center, I don't know what your technical term is, but the center part of the wheel where the two R's are does not rotate with the wheel. The wheel turns. The R's stay. You, you don't, they're never upside down. They're always the same. Dude rode around Rodale Drive a time or two and then he parked. I'm quite sure they probably thought my wife and I were there to shop. I'm sure the camera hanging around my neck did not give away that I was a tourist. <laughs> Had my dad's big old camera. I delayed, waited for the guy to get out of it and walk away so I could snap some pictures. You know what? I know you and I, most of us will never experience that. But if you just pay attention, you can watch and learn. It's never enough. It's never enough. Doesn't matter how expensive it was. Doesn't matter how rare it is. Doesn't matter. It's never enough. Because if you are only searching what is under heaven, then it really is all vanity and it's all vexation of spirit. But when I realize I don't need to search what is under heaven, but I need to look a little bit beyond that. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirst for you because all of this is vanity. It's all empty. But if I can just get you, I have the source of what I need. Most of you today are familiar with this one. This is something. This is something that Solomon apparently never got. His father said this, the Lord is not a shepherd. He didn't just say the Lord is a shepherd. David said the Lord is my shepherd. I don't find anywhere where David's shepherd ever became Solomon's shepherd. Because Solomon was too busy searching for wisdom under the sun. Solomon was too busy buying the next thing that caught his eyes' attention. 
The Lord is my shepherd. And then get that next part. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. We all know there's a difference between want and need. He didn't say, I'm not going to need, because that was a given when he said, the Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord's my shepherd, I'm not going to have to worry about my needs, because a shepherd takes care of his sheep. But he also said, I'm not going to want. I'm not going to want. Want is usually excess. We all, all parents have to help their children learn the difference between what a want and a need is. Because for too many years, want and need are synonymous in a child's mind. And oftentimes they use the word need when really all it is is a want. But David said, I'm not going to want. I'm not going to have to just try to buy the next thing and get the next possession. I'm not going to want because the Lord is my shepherd. Skipping down to verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And here's why. Here's why. Because thou art with me. Forget about everything under the sun. Forget about all there is to learn about. If I know that you are with me. I can just know not about you. I could sit here and read to you verses from the Bible for hours. I could tell you and others could tell you today about God. They could describe God to you. And all of that is great. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so you need to hear to inspire faith. But at some point, your faith has got to go from hearing to seeing. It's got to go from what you hear about to what you experience. And so here, here is what I think, and I try to bring this to a close, but here is, here is really what I think is the difference from my perspective, what the difference is between the Solomon of Proverbs and the Solomon of Ecclesiastes. The Solomon of Proverbs that had a pretty good outlook on life. The Solomon of Proverbs that said, if you'll do this, this is what's going to happen. And if you'll live this way, this is what you can expect. Versus the Solomon at the end of his days that says, after he accumulated all the wealth and got everything he wanted, he now says, it's all vanity. It's all empty. Go back and I realize it was just a commentary and it's not a, necessarily a, an authority on it. But go back, if you would, please, to the, to the statement I read you earlier. That Proverbs is great practical experience. And I'm not saying it's not the Word of God and I'm not minimizing what it is. Please get the context of what I'm saying. And that in a lot of ways there was not necessarily any great theological Things It was just practical experiences and wisdom for life. Here's what I think the difference was between Solomon in Proverbs and Solomon in Ecclesiastes. Everything that he said in Proverbs about what to do and what would happen didn't really go that way didn't always work out quite the way he expected. Solomon in Proverbs says, honor your father and mother and, you know, you'll be blessed. You'll be, obey your dad and honor your mother and all this stuff and, and life will be great and things will be good. <laughs> the Solomon in Ecclesiastes says, Stuff happens to everybody. The righteous and the unrighteous, they all deal with the same stuff. The godly and the ungodly. His dad, you see here, here is, here's, I, I, I'm trying to quit. Give me credit for trying to quit. Here, here's the difference between Solomon 
I, I don't know if David wrote Psalm 73, but I think David had a grasp on it if he didn't write it. Because in Psalm 73, David, or the psalmist, let me say it that way to be safe. The psalmist dealt with what Solomon dealt with. But Solomon never rationalized it. He never came to terms with it. He just says, what's the point? Bad stuff happens to everybody. Psalm 73, the psalmist said, I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I got to looking at the life of the wicked, and their lives seemed to be good. In fact, what he really was saying, paraphrase what he said was, I'm trying to live right, and I got all kinds of problems. They don't care, and life is great. And then he makes this statement. He says, he said, my steps had almost slipped. It almost got to be too much for me. I just, I just couldn't quite take it anymore. I just couldn't handle seeing the wicked prosper while the godly suffered. Until, until I got in the sanctuary of God and I understood their end I realized that really the most important thing is not right now really the most important thing is the outcome today is one thing eternity is a whole nother thing If all I do is look at what's under the sun, under the heaven, that's one thing. But Paul said it like this. For we look not at the things which are seen. Solomon lived pursuing what could be seen. Oh, Jesus Solomon gave his life pursuing what could be seen. But Paul said, we don't look at what's seen. We look at what is not seen. Because what is seen is temporal. And what is not seen is eternal. For those of you that follow it all or pay attention at all to sports and to the NBA, NBA is in its final days of the season. Playoffs are wrapping up. There's a guy, many of you have heard of his name, I'm sure, by the name of LeBron James. Seems to be, at this point, in his prime on top of the world. But in a couple of years, like all other athletes, he's going to have to hang up his jersey, put the shoes on the shelf, and his career will be over with. What he has lived his life for up till that point will all be gone. And along with all of that be gone, being gone, his name will fade further and further and further away. I, 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 know, I know the young guys know the name. I know the young guys know the name. But in a lot of ways, Jordans are nothing more than a pair of shoes. Michael who? Michael what? To us older fellas, you just don't know. You just don't know. We all, if we played ball, 
wanted to be like Mike. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. About the only thing most of us could really do to be like Mike was Because most of us couldn't do what he did. And all of us old guys can sit and talk about what Mike was like. Your frame of reference is what LeBron is like or Steph Curry is like. But at some point, those guys will be just like Mike. They will be like Mike. I know some of you could care less about sports, but if you've ever paid any attention, it's very interesting to watch what happens a lot of times to a professional athlete at the end of his career. Because after giving a whole life to that, consumed by it, when it's over with, you have nothing. You have memories. You have stories. That's why guys turn oftentimes to gambling because there's a competitive drive that they're so used to that they got to find something to keep doing to compete. And the bottom line is it's all vanity. Because if all I ever learn about, if all I ever experience is what is under heaven, then I agree with the wise man. It's all vanity. It's all vexation of spirit. And I actually, I preached the verses I started with. I preached them many times, especially to young people. But I'm actually going to take a little negative twist on them today. Because I don't know that Solomon had it totally right. Because I don't know that really the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandment. I think maybe what Solomon should have gotten is what his father said. Because really, I think the whole duty of man is know God and serve Him and seek Him. Paul said, that I may know Him. whether you come all the time or if you're a guest today, the goal is not just more knowledge. The goal is not more wisdom. The goal is a deeper relationship. I, I don't... I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really trying. <laughs> I, I, I was... I was I haven't shared this with my wife. Like most other things, she learns what was going on in my head from the pulpit when you learn it. But I'm not, I'm not sure, Brother Barr, when I have ever been so just naggingly, consistently in the back of my mind, overwhelmed by such a sense of purposelessness as I was this last week and a half. Not for myself. But for people that seem to be doing nothing, going nowhere, but just trying to get the next thing their eye has seen. Reach for the next thing that will provide some temporary satisfaction. Only to end up learning at some point if all they've ever sought for is under heaven. It's all vanity. Would you, would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I, I, I know I preach a little longer than I guess typically on Sunday morning. And I, I know what time it is. I'm going to let you go as soon as I can here. But whether you're a guest or you're a member whether you've only been a few times or you've been hundreds of times. I, I, I believe I preached to some people this morning that you are, 
you're at a crossroads that like Solomon, if you don't get to know him, and all you do is seek out knowledge and wisdom under the heaven and seek out folly and madness, your conclusion at the end is going to be it's all vanity. But if somebody today could learn from Solomon's mistake that he apparently missed his father's advice, but you would take his father's advice today and get to know God. Get to know Him. Seek after Him and find Him. Then when you get to the end, your conclusion's not going to be that it's just all vanity and vexation. But your conclusion will be that He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright in the morning star. He's the first. He's the last. Which was, which is, which is to come, the Almighty. He's, he's the provider. He's the deliverer. He's the shepherd. He's the healer. He's the life giver. He's the way maker. He's the I am. And as Solomon said, but I'm not sure Solomon really knew, he's all together lovely. Again, if you just, if nothing else, for respect for those around you, if there's anybody right now that you're willing to acknowledge this morning, I, I, I sense God is talking to me. I feel God speaking to my spirit. And you would respond right now. Come on, I, I, I believe I preach to some people today that right now you've got religion that's been transferred to you, but you have yet to really work on the development of a relationship. And religion is not going to keep you. Religion is not going to sustain you because religion by itself, like Solomon said, really is just vanity. But a relationship with the Almighty God with the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, had something very different. If you're here this morning again, whether you're a guest or you come all the time, you would acknowledge God is talking to you right now. I'd like to invite you to respond. I, I'd like to invite you. I know it may be a little bit uncomfortable for some of you, but, but as a step of faith, as a step of commitment, not to church, not to a church, but to Him, to get out of your seat and step down to this front area that we make our altar area as a sign of saying, God, I don't want to just know about what's under heaven. I don't want to just learn everything there is to know under heaven. I don't want to just accumulate the wealth and the riches of this world, but I want to know you. I don't want to just accept religion that's been transferred to me, but I want a relationship that I have developed with you. Come on. Come on, I believe God's talking to some folks this morning. I'm not here to try to pressure anybody, but I really believe God's speaking to somebody today. Come on. Come on, some of you have never been beyond religion. I don't mean that as a criticism. I don't mean that as an accusation. I mean it today to say there's more beyond just religion. Beyond just knowledge of who God is, there's an experiential knowledge of knowing Him. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after you, God. Not after what is temporary. Not after what is passing. Not after what is fleeting in this world, but what lasts. It's really not a new car. It's not a new house. It's 
not new clothes. It's not new shoes. It's not a new job. It's not a new spouse. It's not new place to live. It's not a new location. That's the answer you're looking for. The answer. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Just another moment, if you would. I'll dismiss in just a second those that would like to go, but I, I just believe God is trying to touch somebody right now. God's trying to touch somebody right now beyond, beyond knowledge. Can somebody learn a lesson from the preacher today? Somebody learn a lesson from the preacher Solomon today? There's more. There's more than just superficial knowledge about God. There's more than just accumulating more and more things. Because anything new becomes old. It passes away. There's always something better. There's always something more shinier, more appealing. But if you are my shepherd... If you are my shepherd, then I don't have to want. Jesus said it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. And then he said all these things will be added. So many people seek the things. And unfortunately sometimes... They achieve the things only to find out it did not do what they anticipated it would do. But those that have learned that He's my shepherd, and if He's my shepherd, I don't want. He's enough. In fact, he's not just enough. He's more than enough. I, I, I believe there are some that are still responding, whether it's at front or in your seat. And so I'm encouraging you to continue. Those of you that may need or want to go, you're welcome to do that. Thank you for being here. But if you would, for another moment or two, at least just kind of be mindful of those around you that are still talking to the Lord and the Lord still talking to them. In the name of Jesus, just give me you, Jesus. Just give me you, Jesus, because it's the only thing that can really satisfy. It's the only thing that can continue to satisfy. Everything else is temporal. Everything else is short-lived. But you, God, I can never find the depths of you. I can never reach the heights in you. There's always more. Jesus, unlike this world, the more I try, the less satisfied I am. The more of you I get, I'm still not satisfied, but I'm not satisfied because it whets my appetite for even more of you to know you more, to draw nearer, closer. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.